either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. In this lesson, I'd like to go over words and expressions you can use when you discuss movies with other people. I know everybody loves movies. I love movies. I'm sure you love movies. And there's lots of words that have to do with movies that you might not be familiar with, but they're very good to know if you want to talk about movies with your friends or whoever. No way. Yes way, Ted! Oh, yeah! Gordy? Yeah. Why does it look like you have your finger in your butt? Does it do? Can we forget about the things I said when I was drunk? I didn't mean to call you that. You fought with a broken back before. You were paralyzed. You hopped out of that wheelchair and whoop canyon in Memphis. Sting broke six bones in your neck with a bat. What'd you do? In two weeks, you came back and you ruled ass. Come on, man. This is nothing. What a match you got. One match. One match you need. The steel cage. Steel cage? He didn't even have to win. But he's not gonna win. No, he's gonna win. I am my own worst enemy. Cause every now and then I kick the living shit out of me. The smoke alarm is going off and there's a cigarette still burning. Please tell me why. I, I, Well, thanks for taking the time, Matt. I appreciate it. I was a little worried you guys wouldn't have me back on after uh, all the technical difficulties. <laughs> no. I, I figured you thought I had jinxed it. No, actually, there's a funny story that goes along with that. Um, during that time, you know, I was doing everything, right? I had the calendar, the Fear 4, all that kind of stuff. So many things going on. At the same time, we had just gotten a new cat, and the cat was chewing on my microphone cord. That's the reason why we were cutting out so bad last time. So as soon as I figured that out, I got a new microphone cord, and we've been good at ever since but if you go back and listen to the episodes right before and after yours matt my mic is very <laughs> spotty very spotty oh mystery solved that's not you at all that was totally me I caught the 2022 screen last night because, of okay. course, I was on a Arquette binge. Man, you know, uh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'm pretty mixed about it. I'm pretty mixed. That's what everybody's saying. Like, was it good or was it not good? Yeah, yeah. It was choppy. The writing was the part best, but the characters were there. The OGs were there. I had fun with it. I don't uh, think any of us thought that Scream would get to five entries. It had that classic flaw. Yeah. 
that it made a metric shit ton of money. Shit ton of money. <laughs> like, an inconceivable amount of money for an R-rated horror movie in the 90s. I mean, I think Scream is like the representative of horror in the 90s. It's retro yeah. slasher. It's self-aware. It's very Gen X-y, you know? And, and it's probably the best that the 90s has to offer as far as horror movies go, in my opinion. Honestly, I can fight you on that. The last one was, what, 2016, I would say? Or oh, was it 15, uh, 20, 2011, I believe. That far back? That so, was 11? I thought that was five or six years ago, not 10. Yeah. That was enjoyable. I kind of enjoyed that one. This one, not as much as that one, but pretty close. Interesting. No, I, I really enjoy Scream 4. I, I thought Scream 4 was really a great statement yep. on horror. You know, like, like the movie used itself as like a, a pedestal to speak on the state of horror. I thought that was just ingenious. You know, and so and so I wonder if Scream Five has anything to say, you know. Everybody's gotta do their best macho man in this show. Oh yeah, brother. Hello everyone and welcome to Spittin' the Real Shit, uh, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by, for, and about the online Facebook group The Real Shit. Uh, you were catching us on a very special day, because this is our seventy-third episode ever. And today, we take movies to the mat as we talk professional wrestling and film. Along with Wrestling Talk, we also dissect the WCW tentpole film from the year 2000, Ready to Rumble, starring David Arquette and Scott Kahn, as well as Group Talk and a round of first and favorite. Uh, my name is Charlie Thompson, founder, administrator, and bracket master of The Real Shit. And joining me, as always, is my co-host and fellow administrator, the Midnight Movie Maniac himself, Rylan Johnson. What's going on, man? Oh, yeah, real shitters. The cream always rises to the top. I'm only going to do maybe one more impersonation tonight, but that's all you get for now. Let's go, baby. <laughs> and joining us for an incredible third time is real shit member Matthew Smith. Man, how goes it, man? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. It's good to be back. Yes. Finally, Matt, the movie buff, <laughs> has come back. To the real shit. Oh, that was a little wrestler in there. He's ready to be back for the third time. Only the second, third time on spitting the real shit. Ooh, yeah. Anyways, yes, I'm super excited, man. You are our guest because you passed the test, man. I'll kiss your boots if you can do it. But to be the man, you gotta beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here in Nashville, Tennessee, pal. I'm the man. I put a post out on the real shit. If there's any wrestling marks out there that want to be on the show, hit me up. I gave you several questions, and I was so impressed with the amount of extra answer that you gave me, which, which you know, automatically made me go, this is the guy we need to be talking to on this episode. I gave him just a bevy of just random wrestling questions, kind of fair weather, kind of deep cut. I'm glad you're joining us, man. This is your third time, man. You are the second ever three-time guest on this show. You're following right behind Boat, <laughs> who would argue that it's his fourth time on the show, which yeah, he's not wrong, but... I really wish that lost Total Recall 
clip was just somehow recorded through history somehow. I know. It was just gold. Both special, man. He, he knows his shit. But you know what? We tried our best to repeat. I think we did. Rylan, Rylan, I think, Rylan, I think, Rylan. We have our own three-time guest here right now. Why are we talking time. about Boat? Why are we talking yeah, about Boat? Fuck? We need to talk about Matthew Smith. Are you guys going to get Boat and me on here at the same time and, you know, have the mega powers come together? <laughs> yeah. Third time on the show. You introduced uh, the world of anime to us on this show with Fist of the North Star. And then you also joined us for our Fear 4, a month of horror episodes back in October of 2021. You did uh, the Friday the 13th portion. It's been about six, seven months, man. How you been? I've just been swamped. It's the end of the semester, so this is the grinder for me. It sweeps right now, yeah, absolutely. So I'm derelicting my duty to do this. (laughs) Nice, okay. You know, going through, surviving this world we're in now. (laughs) You're down in Austin, right? You're down in the uh, nitty gritty. That is correct. Do you even function down there? Do you ever go out? Uh, not too much, not too much, but <laughs> I've been going to movies again and starting to do that again, so that's been good. I actually went to an AEW show here, because that was a lot of fun. That's my second AEW show. I've been seeing a lot of love on just random people's Facebook posts, not just even the real shit, saying, this is a great time for movie theaters again. From day one on this show, you know me, I'm a theater guy, and they're pumping back up, and, and I feel like they're back to business. Happy for that, for sure. Support your local theaters, guys, come on. Besides that business, I want to talk about the group for a minute. Do you guys know this one? Now this is the real shit. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Shake your ass. Watch yourself. Shake your ass. Show me what you're working with. Shake your ass. Watch yourself. Shake your ass. So something crazy happened last week. I'm not sure what happened with the algorithm on Facebook or something like that, but... Some of the early, early first posts from this group started making it to the top of the timeline. It was almost kind of like they were coming in sequential order, where the first post and the second post and the third post would happen. I would keep seeing these old posts when I scrolled through the page, and I was so flabbergasted. I was like, what is happening? Is there a fucking virus? Is this the end of my fucking page? What year are we talking, Charlie? 2012, actually. So 12, 10 years. okay, so 10 years ago. Yeah. That's and, a long uh, time ago in our page. Can you imagine how many shit posts Nasty Nate has laid down? Shake your ass. Watch yourself. Shake your ass. Show me what you're working with. Attention. All your plays and pimps right now in the place to be. I saw the very first post that was ever posted on this group. And it was basically me making a proclamation about the group and saying, saying, hey, everybody, I added you to this group because I think you are fellow film fans. I would love it if you engaged in my, my page and, and how my wife kind of gave me the idea to make this page and all that kind of stuff. And it was very humbling. I had nobody looking at my shit and I was just trying to get an audience. And then now cut to 2022, I'm making a podcast. I got brackets. I got all this kind of stuff. It's so cool to see all the all the work that was put in to get from there to here. So thank you, messed up Facebook algorithm. I appreciate you showing <laughs> me these memories. No, and thank you to you, Charlie. Thank you to you, sir. This is your baby. The brackets are our heartbeat. If they don't go on, we don't survive. Even with the podcast, you know, I just jump on and talk. And you do all yeah. the fun cutting up and editing. You deserve all the credit, man. It's been a hell of a ride. I know I'm a first time member because I saw that post and I said, I'm in. Attention, all your plays and pimps right now in the place to be. Take your I thought I told y'all this before y'all 
can't fuck with me. That was an easy accept for me because, oh, you know, we, we have history. We, we knew each other before then. And but, man, this has been a great little ride, dude. Think about it, man. That's 10 years. That's nuts. Yeah, it was so neat to see uh, those old posts. I mean, it was annoying because I thought my page was going <laughs> under, but it apparently cleared itself up after a couple of days. So we're back on track again. We got wrestling to talk about. We got Matthew Smith on the show. Exciting stuff, man. So other than the actual glitch itself, I wanted to talk about the bracket for a second. I had mentioned on the show last week that I didn't really know what I was doing, but I know what I'm doing now. And I decided that I'm going to be doing a Scott Brothers bracket. I'm going to pit Ridley Scott versus Tony Scott in some of their greatest hits and see who comes out on top. I know Ridley has a little bit more titles in the game, but the titles that Tony made while he was on this earth are fantastic, and I want them to be discussed. And it's also a great way to kind of introduce Top Gun. It's it's coming up at the end of the month. I figured we'd uh, let Top Gun premiere, maybe go see that, Ryland, and then then start the bracket off after that. Um, I know we're going to go see it. We're going to go see it. It'll be a triple M episode. I think this is great. I mean, because Tony doesn't have what Ridley has, but Tony has some hits. Come shake your ass. Shake your ass, but watch yourself. Shake your ass and show me what you're working with. Shake your ass, but watch yourself. Shake your ass and show me what you're working with. Lena Ridley Scott and Tony Scott, I mean, they are no strangers to the Memorial Day weekend when it comes to movie releases. I mean, you know, Aliens has has got a alien, I'm sorry. Is Ridley correct? Correct. Yes. I know Matthew's a big horror fan. I always called that the haunted house in space, which is the greatest explanation of that movie. What a classic it is. So I don't think Ridley can be beat on on Alien. Interesting. I think he's got way better titles than Alien, in my opinion. Oh. But oh. uh, I mean, there's but, lots. Yeah. I mean, Ridley. Uh, he's also Gladiator. Also, also, also. But I know Tony's Tony's the little redhead, you know, stepbrother or whatever. But he's still got some bangers, man. What about you, Matthew? Do you have a favorite Scott Brothers film? Alien is, you know, the fanciest slasher movie ever made. That's another great description of that movie. It's a monster picking people off in a claustrophobic space, and you got atmosphere and cinematography, mood setting, like all over the place so yeah but i think i gotta go with blade runner see i'm telling you there's so many options. i, I know I, just, I love it but like i can't watch it a lot you know like it's i can watch alien every year yeah. but blade runner to me i'm like i just every five years i watch it and go yeah it's the shit <laughs> one viewing of blade runner will last you five yes. years yeah that's how great it is it can last you a lifetime to be honest you know if your memory's good the opening sequence to Blade Runner is oh, just yeah. magic. I just got in the 4K disc of that a little while ago. I went back and watched that. What was it, 82? Two. Two. Yeah. I yeah. mean, fucking blow my goddamn mind. Like, get out of here. It's going to be hard for me to take anything that's going to beat Alien or Blade Runner. And I love a lot of Tony Scott's movies. Even his movies that people say are like the lesser of his films, like like Man on Fire is great. It's incredible. I mean, you cannot discount Tony Scott. I mean, you got Top Gun. You got Beverly Hills Cop 2. You've got Kevin Costner's Revenge. 
You've got Crimson Tide. You've got true motherfucking romance. Even taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, like, that's a good yeah. remake. And that is hard to do. You know, like, as brothers, oh, they're yeah. quite a bit different. Their combined status, I'm just like, the Scott brothers, fuck! <laughs> but yeah, guys, so that's that's the next bracket, is the Scott versus Scott bracket, man. I'm so excited. We've got a whole schedule lined up. But uh, we are not here to talk about the Scott brothers all day. We're here to talk about professional wrestling. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Specifically, professional wrestling in film. You fans who started booing and hissing me tonight, don't try that again. Don't try that again. I am a star. And next time I come here, I want you all to get down on your knees and bow down to me. And if I pass you by, kiss my feet. If you've been listening to the show for the last few weeks or so, you know that I've been getting back into the wrestling watching. And I gotta say, it takes a skill to be able to watch wrestling. You have to be able to see what people don't see, which is all the stuff surrounding it that makes it kind of confusing. What's the segment called when they talk shit to, to Gene? You know, like when they're that's like... Promo. What's promo. Yeah. So, like, that's I feel like that's my first, like memory of a wrestler you know you associate with that name and and he's talking shit about so and so and you get the storyline so that that's kind of my first memory of a wrestler but if that were not enough this one should really top off this evening the honky-tonk band the reigning intercontinental heavyweight champ will be defending against an angry and a bitter macho man randy savage not passive to begin with but i would imagine you are one angry individual right now i want to mention tag teams to be honest that was a huge part of my fanhood i always loved tag team matches those are the ones i got fucking pumped for were you like a, a gimmick guy where you do love the ones yeah. where like, like oh, in a absolutely. steel cage yeah or, or like with, with steel chairs because i was casual i was casual fan i just jumped in man i just popped in and went oh shit what the fuck is this this is hilarious this is awesome okay and i'd watch okay. it for two weeks and then i'd go hey okay is this, so is there any storyline you really remember from watching wrestling to be honest, I mean, everyone was watching wrestling in the late 90s, but the Rock Stone Cold shit, when I knew it was going to pop off or when it did pop off and they talked about it, I kind of kept into that. Stone Cold, The Rock has some advice of his own. Oh, boy. The Rock has two words of advice for you. Simply put, get ready. I was playing the N64 games. It was epic. That kind of era, that, that late 90s WWF at the time, or was it even? I don't know. Oh, it was still epic. So, so you're a muggle, basically. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So are I you mean, calling me I mean, a muggle? Really... I'm calling you a muggle, motherfucker. That's what I'm calling okay, you. Okay, I'm a mark, aren't I? No, no, I'm not no you, you, were, you were nowhere near a mark. I'm like, you're not even a mark. <laughs> yeah, I just knew when it was hot and I got in, and then I got out when it got cold. You know what I mean? Because it got cold right. at times. Well, I mean, that's a matter of fucking opinion, but well, I mean, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Dude, it was like 88 to 92 for me. Then I yeah. took a three-year break. Then it was probably 95 to 99. Pretty pretty oh. consistent. Like, I can name a lot of shit from 95 to 99. Word. That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Most characters, most storylines, most shit. And then once the Attitude Era ended and it got, like, weird again, I was like, I'm out. Okay, so after 99, you didn't really dip your toe back into it. I was still a wrestling fan. That's why I went and watched Ready to Rumble in the theaters. Why don't we wrestle in here? Are you sure? 
the director of Varsity Blues. Ready to rumble. Foreign objects! Rated PG-13. Now play. I was a WCW guy, so all the stuff in the movie I totally related with. How long did you run with WCW after their like two-year rough note? Did you keep rolling or did you... Oh, I, I watched until the motherfucking wheels fell off, dude. Wow. Yeah. You see, it was just a matter of time before I, Vince McMahon, bought my competition. That's right. I own WCW. So therefore, in its final broadcast tonight on TNT, I have the opportunity to address you. I remember thinking they were like, like the bad. Like I didn't want to watch them. I didn't want to cheat on my fucking boards. Oh, I mean, but every week something crazy. Was I happening. know, I know, man. And they, had, they had the better show by far. I thought in the beginning that that spark of NWO and taking Hogan and making his blonde hair black and shit freaked me out. And I was just a kid and like, what's going on, man? This is great. I watched the entire train wreck. That, that's how much of a WCW fan I was. I didn't even give a fuck about the McMahon, Austin shit or DX or The Rock, really, or any of that shit whenever I was like in it, in it. Like I was all about what was going on with MWO. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! They just took off and blew up because they were doing way cooler shit, to be honest. That NWO era, like it starts off really hot. And of course it's a stolen idea because there are no original ideas in wrestling. <laughs> it's, it's about the point where they have the NWO pay-per-view and it's sold out. Yeah. It is just the NWO is going to win all the time. I thought they had a lot of options. I mean, if we're talking about they w, like they just if, didn't if you do want, anything with them, they had my Page, they had Jericho, they had Goldberg, they had Steiner Brothers. I mean, my main question to you guys is being huge wrestling fans: Who's the creative brain of this? Are there writers plus, you know, McMahon yeah. and I mean, of course McMahon. He in, he influxed his daughter, his son. I mean, it's his it's his storyline, correct? I feel yeah. like Vince McMahon's the guy's going. This guy's gonna do this and this. And he's just oh. directing it, you know, he's, he's, it's like a, a South Park thing. The buck stops at Vince. But Vince is he that so, creative? He creates all those characters and all no, those storylines? No. He picks what goes for yeah. WCW. You know, it was a combination of like Eric Bischoff and Ric Flair for a while. And, and toward the end, it was everybody uh, for yeah. WCW. Because that was like Nash and Ed Ferrara. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, so you're dropping names. So, you, so you, you're in the know. Okay, cool. So uh, That's just U.S. wrestling. If you guys want to go Japan, I can go oh, Japan, too. I feel like there should be like some terminology explaining before we go forward. Like, like you talk about Vince, right? So he's the head of creative. He's, he's the one that figures out the long-term arc. But then there's also like booking agents that we call bookers that, that are the ones that kind of figure out how the match itself is going to work out. So they're the ones that, that decide, like, if somebody's going to come in near the end of the match and ruin the ending, or if it's going to be a clean ending, or if it's going to be, you know, a, a disqualification, a countout, however you want to end the match. So then they can write what the next match is going to be. Like, Vince is not a booker. Vince just owns it. So it's kind of like Congress comes up with a bill, they show it to the president. The president has the power to veto it or not. That's Vince's power. Yeah. I would say now Vince has kind of become the booker, too, because Vince changes matches on the fly. Yeah. Uh, because he's he's completely lost his mind. So. <laughs> no chance of that's what 
past. JR was big for that stuff back in the day. Yeah, too. JR was a big booker. Uh, Dusty Rhodes was a big booker. Yeah, Terry Taylor. Those are legends. Dusty Rhodes, uh, Von <laughs> Erichs. That was back in the day before cable hit, all that bullshit. Like, I didn't know the Von Erichs were local guys. Like, they were wrestling in Fort Worth and Dallas. And, you know, they're all just buff as fuck. And they had Boy. all the skills and, and then all the tragedy involved in that. It's just oh it's part of wrestling, He's... though. Like, no chance I'm not surprised at all. Every wrestling story ends in tragedy. There's not really, a, you know, maybe other than Hulk Hogan, who's just kept on because of the amount that of money. On how you it's, define tragedy. I was going to say, I going to say, I mean, his whole family life is in shambles, but. If you get out early, if you're like The Rock, you have a good ending if you get out early. You stay in it long enough, it doesn't matter who you are, yeah. eventually it's going to eat you up. There's so many dark stories out of this world because it's a rock star lifestyle. So they're doing all the drugs that a rock star is doing, but they're also doing all the physical stuff that a football player is doing. Combine those two it. lives. See how long you fucking live. <laughs> Not going to be long. And you're going to have a great time doing it, but you're, you're going to die. And you're going to die probably in a shitty way. Don't take that the wrong way. I'm just saying a lot of them have heart disease, a lot of them have health issues, a lot of them just their bodies break down and they died younger than they should, you know? I literally, I have a list of RIP on this uh, list of notes I have for how many dead yeah. guys are in this movie. <laughs> many people feel that wrestling is one of the most entertaining sports to watch. The wrestlers are so athletic you can only marvel at their dominance. Unfortunately, wrestling can be a very dangerous sport. Steroids, concussions, and other types of accidents are a very detrimental part of the WWE and all of wrestling in general. Now get the guns, the drugs, from my generation, I'll take the fall, the saints, and across the nation, and it's a They're just, their bodies get abused, and these guys, you know, they have to take steroids to look good, so most of them don't live to 60. It, it's starting to change. Um, these guys aren't running like they used to. A lot of these guys are smart enough now to know that doing drugs and doing wrestling do not really mix. That's not completely changing, especially in the independents, you know, where there's less regulation, steroid use is yeah. still more well, prevalent than it should uh, be. The guys nowadays aren't making anywhere near, like, maybe not based on inflation, but some of the big stars in the 80s and 90s were making a lot more money than the guys do nowadays. Is that correct? Mm, incorrect. No. So now the guys are making more money. Yeah. Outrageous amounts of money, yeah. The, uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Stone Cold Steve Austin were a big part of the change in that because Paul and Nash, when they jumped to WCW, they invented guaranteed contracts. Yeah, it was based on per match plus merch sales. Stone Cold made more money off merch than he ever did off of his salary. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and McMahon even classically says, you know, he, he never offered contracts. He offered opportunities. He had the opportunity to make somebody a star. He put that opportunity in their hands, whether make something of themselves or not, you know? So that, that was always his excuse for his pay rate. You're not making enough money probably because you're not drawing enough people to these shows because you're just not popular enough. He'd flip it on you. Uh, but as far as, like, Ted Turner and WCW go, Ted Turner had such deep pockets, he could offer these people this amount of money just to be rolling with me. 
it doesn't matter what your merch sells. It doesn't matter how many matches you do in a year. It was such a sweet deal. You felt like you were being treated better. You were working less days. It wasn't this imaginary brass ring that you had to reach for. It was just you doing a job. And that's what I felt WCW was like, was just people going into work. They weren't motivated to be the best. They were just making a television show. Like I said, I was born 83. Was that WrestleMania 1 at the Detroit Lions Metrodome, whatever it was, the big one? Three, right. 93,000 people in the yeah, Pontiac Silverdome, baby. Is it still a record? It should be. Because remember, I had wrestling buddies. Remember the little, um, little pillows oh, yeah. we used to have? Kids nowadays don't have those of whoever the fuck's the new, you know, I don't know the new, I don't even know the new game at all. I knew Macho Man. I knew Hulk Hogan. I knew The Undertaker. I knew these guys without even really watching their shit every week. That's how big it was. That's why I thought, were they not making hella money back then? No, they were getting fucked. <laughs> Merchandise-wise, they were getting fucked. I mean, Rylan, let me, let me ask you a question. Um, let's say you, like, you're working bartender, right? And then and somebody comes in and offers you like a hundred grand a year to bartend. That's a lot of fucking money. And so think about it in reality. Like a person who yeah. was literally making $5 per match and then is offered a hundred grand a year but no rights to their image, no rights to their character. They didn't have that before. <laughs> you were doing like that for five bucks. You don't get some royalties on that? Like nothing on the back end? That's why oh, Vince McMahon's a billionaire, because he fucking cut everyone out. He was like, no, fuck you. This is my thing. But he brought these people from poverty to a hundred grand a year, Rylan. But didn't get the piece of pie they deserved. How much How much does he deserve? You know, royalties. Just when this guy's 60 and, and you're still selling his toy because they do that now, you deserve a little two $300 check every month is what I'm saying. It's called royalties for the character that you played. That's the way it should be done. It's not a lot. I mean, out of a dollar, Vince McMahon gets 97 cents and you get three. Hey, it's still something. And I let's mean, not forget that Vince uh, never gave these people health insurance didn't yeah, pay for yeah, their travel, yeah, yeah. didn't no, cover yes. their food, didn't do anything, and then had the gall to say, you're not full-time employees, you're independent contractors, except I control everything that you do, when right. you do it, how you do it. You can't go to Japan, you can't go to Mexico, you have yeah. to wrestle for WWE. But on the tax forms, it shows that you're an independent contractor. If anybody ever really tried him on that, he would lose. Like, Absolutely. His lawyers would buck up and you wouldn't win. But at the same time, I mean, he did. He brought fame and fortune. and but That's through his entity. That's not because of his creative. Also, yeah. he inherited his dad's promotion. Exactly. I mean, like, and he screwed over a lot of people. Vince has more blood on his hands in the wrestling business than damn near anybody. If nothing else, he told Owen Hart, you have to go up in that fucking rig. This was not part of the script. This is not a wrestling angle. This is real life. Paramedics rush into the ring as pay-per-view TV cameras turn away from the show. We are not uh, going to uh, put this on television. All the TV viewers could see was the aftermath, not the stunt. A grand entrance by champion wrestler Blue Blazer flying into the ring from five stories above the Kemper Arena floor, crashing into a padded piece of metal that holds the ring together. Where, where did you hear that? I've, I've never heard that before. Well... Two guys. One's from Nine Heart, which is not always the best. It's a lot of drugs. I uh, sense Charlie is a Vince fan. I, I can sense this. I mean, this, the second Vince McMahon dies, everyone's going to call him a fucking genius. Not denying that. Everyone's <laughs> going to call him 
an innovator but, the, yeah. the second he dies. Oh, yeah, he is. In the business world, he's a genius, but is he the best guy? I don't think so, man. These guys would never have had the opportunity to make a hundred grand a year if it were not for Vince McMahon. Just because they created something doesn't mean you need to shit on your employees that hard. Like, give them a little extra, man. Especially when it comes to wrestling entities that are characters that drive his business. I don't think he's that creative. I think there's a lot of writers that are involved. It's not about his son was chubby and not athletic at all, and he puts him in wrestling. Am I wrong? His daughter was really hot at one time, and they got way too much plastic surgery and then looked ugly. The plastic surgery he wanted her to get. Even worse. <laughs> Three times they had to shoot down his his idea for an incest angle. Again, again, I heard that once. Was it multiple times that it got brought up? More than zero is <laughs> enough, <laughs> boys. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I think Vince McMahon is an innovator. But George it. Washington is a big part of why we have a country, <laughs> but he was also an asshole. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. But with Ready to Rumble and WCW talk, um, I, I didn't know how much WWE talk you wanted to do, so... Um, I mean, it's all connected. I mean, technically, WWE owns this movie now, I think. You think you know me. In any wrestling fan, I'm sure Matt can attest to this, there's eras where you're super into it and then you kind of become a fair weather. And then you're super into it again and then you kind of pull back a little bit and let time pass and then you dip back into it again. Am I right, Matt? Absolutely. I mean, I could not tell you, you know, how many times I kind of like pulled back, got back in, pulled back, got back in. Like, it's like, you know, it's the Godfather. Right, as yeah. soon as you think you're yeah. completely done with it there was a time it was you know toward the end of college where I thought I'm just done completely done never right. watching this stuff again and then you know somewhere along like Wrestlemania 30 I go eh, let's take a look at it again and then uh, New Japan started getting shown on TV here and it was just like oh man it's so good he right. I, wonder, I wonder, what, wonder what WF's doing and then it's like oh damn it got me again Mm-hmm. Same thing with me, man. Um, I guess I'm entering my fourth era of watching wrestling. My first came during the Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, WWE days. Second was the WCW Monday Night Wars. But then my third era, I'd become a father at this point. It was like 2008, 2009. The movie The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke premiered. The main event, The Wrestler, the first feature movie that puts you in a ringside seat for world championship wrestling, takes you into gushing rooms and promoter's offices where matches and deals are made, feuds are founded, percentages are figured, and lets you ride first class up and down the great grunt and groan circuit. You really brought it. Thank you, thank you. You hang in there, you got a lot of ability. Have you ever seen a one trick pony and feel so happy and free? If you ever well, I was wondering if I could get some more work. All I got is weekends. Isn't that when you sit on other dudes' faces? Have you ever seen a one legged dog? You have a beer with me? <laughs> one beer. If you've ever seen you have a daughter? No, oh, my daughter, she don't like me very much. You should call her. And you seen me. What do you want from me? I'm an old, broken-down piece of meat, and I deserve to be all alone. I just don't want you to hate me. And I remember I went to go see it in the theaters, and I was so fucking floored by it. 
like just the movie itself. I was like, oh my god, this movie's incredible. Like, and then the the wrestling scenes within the movie. I was like, man, I fucking love wrestling so much, and it motivated me to just turn on wrestling, not caring where it was in the storyline, and just kind of watching and just kind of dipping into the current, if you will. And I was hooked from like 2009, I want to say, until like 2017, where I was hardcore into it. Around that time, 2017. I had started my band back up, and so my focus kind of went away. But now, uh, after watching WrestleMania 38, oh my god, that was such a great fucking wrestling show. And I could not help myself. I just had to watch more and more wrestling content. I had the Peacock app, so I was able to, to watch these old matches and old pay-per-views and stuff. And I've just been loving it for the last couple of weeks. But Ryland, I am curious. What's the first thing you think about when you think about wrestling? Like six, seven years old, I'm watching commercials. Gotta hear beef, gotta hear spice. Need a little excitement? Snap it to a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. It was Hulk and Macho and Ultimate Warrior and you know, Ted DiBiase. These just classic 80s characters that I don't think they can ever recreate. I love that era because, like, it was just so, like, flashy of the time uh these guys were jacked you know mm. the wrestlers started getting really cut and really big for certain reasons um <laughs> so it was fun to watch i mean the ultimate warrior was was a beast um they literally hit their peak i think with pop culture in like 88 to 90 92 which was right in my wheelhouse it's like my my kindergarten to second grade third grade year so that's where i first was like watching those promos you know the macho man and ultimate warrior just going nuts and you know hulk was always the the, the premier show so i think hulk hogan was kind of my you know eat your vitamins that you know i am a real american <laughs> i mean everybody knows that song so i mean like you said it seeped into pop culture it's only a matter of time before they get the great idea to start putting these motherfuckers in movies you seem to be sweating quite profusely yeah i was wondering if perhaps you might need the services of an experienced water boy <laughs> that's pretty cute how old are you kid 11 12 i i am 31 years old <laughs> Some of the earliest wrestlers in film, it predates Hulk Hogan by a mile. They had old luchador wrestlers from Mexico that would do 50 plus full length movies back in like the 50s and 60s where they played their masked persona and they would be the hero like an Indiana Jones every other month. You know, you'd get this story from this wrestler and he'd make the movie, you know? It just built this mythos around this hero who was this, this this masked hero who would save the common people, from, you know, the people in the streets from these, you know, megalomaniacal, you know, uh, sadistic, you know, bad men. These stories would just kind of permeate through Mexican cinema. And then every prominent nation kind of has their own form of wrestling, wrestling style, you know, presentation. And America is no different. And American wrestling was very much brought into, like, the carnival scene. You know, it was right next to the freak show and the, the bearded lady and all that kind of stuff, you know. But eventually it broke off. And in America, it didn't really rise to prominence until the 60s and 70s with Bruno San Martino, Bob Backlund, these kind of long-term champions. Uh, but really, not a whole lot of movies were being made about these guys. Uh, it wasn't until probably the Hulk Hogan's that you started seeing real movies being made. And I guess one of the prominent 80s titles from this period is the very first ever WWE film, No Holds Barred. Get ready 
for the battle no ropes can hold. No ring. No referee. No rules. Gentlemen, it's time. No holds barred. I mean, I wanted to do this one. It's just uh, apparently the hardest movie to find. If you want it, you got to pay 50 bucks on eBay for it. It's for I, a DVD. I get it. I mean, the guy shits his pants. <laughs> As a kid, that's one of my favorite scenes of all time where he says, I went poopy, and, and he's shitting his pants. Hulk's smelling it, and his face is no. all super sweaty. Do when, you guys when know Hulk... the story behind that scene? The the bodyguard guy that he grabs and does that to? Supposedly, according to... Um, Bruce Pritchard, longtime you know WD creative guy. That guy was picked specifically because he resembled Richard Belzer, and Richard Belzer <laughs> had sued Hulk Hogan because Hogan, doing a wrestling demonstration, choked him out on live TV. And oh, you're him. right. And so Hulk wanted you know vicarious payback. I've I've seen that interview, and he does yoke him. He chokes him out. He falls and hits his head hard, like way too hard. You know, it's a young Hulk. The guy's like 6'5", 300 pounds. And you're going to challenge him on a, on a, on your talk show? And that's just what happened, man. I, I it's, a, it's a terrible situation. but Dude, that's insane. I watched the movie, of course, before I watched the story about Richard Belzer. But I remember like hearing the story about Richard Belzer being like, he looks kind of like the limo driver in the yeah, old looks bar. a lot like the glasses, the hair. That is crazy. You know, and that's the cool thing about being a wrestling fan is that you'll always learn something new, something that'll just no. blow your mind. There's so many, like, seriously gold scenes in Noel's Bard. When the corporate guys go to the bar and the waitress is, like, spitting on the floor and, and like, those two dudes are just, like, literally punching each other in the face. <laughs> the little guy in the cage up top. It's, it's just so weird and good. I love that movie so much. I watched it a lot as a kid. I think I, I might have had it. I should have kept it because I think I watched it all the fucking time, so... Stan well, Hansen's in that movie, too. I was about to say, do you know this, the wrestler, the teeny wanger guy? <laughs> That's Stan Hansen. He's like one of the roughest, toughest fucking wrestlers ever. <laughs> After No Holds Barred, of course, Hogan became a brand within itself, the Hulkamania brand. And yeah, so that. he went off and he started going into business for himself and started making his own movies. If you're a 90s kid, of course you remember Mr. Nanny. Suburban Commando. You get a little older, you get into Three Ninjas and Mega Mountain. Uh, Do you guys know the uh, Thunders in Paradise intro song? Don't know Thunder in Paradise. Like, Thunder in Paradise. It was this shitty TV show about a stealth boat. It was Night Boat. Night Boat. We now return to Night Boat, the crime-solving boat. Faster, Night Boat. We've got to catch those starfish poachers. You don't have to yell, Michael. I'm all around you. But it was so cool, and the intro song was legit. Did you find that show to be entertaining, Ron? Oh, fuck yeah. I loved it. It's funny. I did not find it entertaining at all. As a kid, man, I was like, man, it's Hulk Hogan. He's got a stealth boat. He kicks ass. What is he, like Bahamas or Hawaii or some shit? There's always a river or an inlet or a fjord. (laughs) Well, personally, I'm not a fan of anything where Hulk Hogan is legitimately in underwear. And so Thunder in Paradise (laughs) is going to fall into that. No Holds Barber fall into that, too. Well, you know, we all saw him in Rocky Three though, as Thunder Lips. The Kickstarter right there, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the one where the wrestler in film became viable. 
All right, you guys, you know this is for fun, so take it easy and give him a good show. Listen, uh, after the match, how about if, uh, we get a Polaroid together, okay? Uh, you're in trouble. The idea of putting more and more wrestlers in film became more of a good idea. I mean, even John Carpenter decided to make his lead in They Live, Rowdy Roddy Piper. I'm trying to save you and your family's life. You couldn't even save your own! <laughs> I'm giving you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. I came to, I pay. Came to pray. There's a price to pay. Time for you to get down on your knees. I I came to pay. Princess Bride, Andre the Giant. Hey, I gotta mention my boy Kevin Nash. Dude, this fight scene between him, he's playing the Russian, and the Punisher, played by Thomas Jane, where they just beat the fuck out of each other. He is that stuff. Kevin Nash was in John Wick. John Wick, yeah. He was he was the doorman. And you got to talk about, I mean, Bautista's Garden of Galaxies. Not to mention The Rock's run from the late 90s until present day. The Rock is now going to be Black Adam. I mean, you know, these wrestlers have become megastars. John Cena's Peacemaker, Suicide Squad, Bautista and Guardians. They started in WWFECW, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Very, very <laughs> humble, humble beginnings for wrestlers in film. And I think not everybody can be a Rock or a Bautista in film. But I think there's a lot of guys who could probably do some good work that probably aren't trying, that probably should be. Well, do you remember The Undertaker's cameo in Suburban Commando? You're a dead man, Ramsey. No wonder you guys never talk. That's, <laughs> that is The Undertaker. The actual acting part. Well, I mean, of course, it oh, leaves something to be desired. They're, they're a body. I think The Rock has got the upper hand, and that's saying a lot. I mean, what he's been in, everything sucks. Hey, now. <laughs> What's the rumpus? Um, you know, there's no problem, man. Let's just go to another table. Get your jacket. Let's go. Those gym muscles aren't scaring anybody. Oh, oh hey, these. Yo, come on, let's just go. It's OK. No, we're not going to go. This man insulted you, and we're not going to leave until he apologizes. The, his character in Be Cool was great. The rundown was okay. He's great and faster. I like him in that. I, you're right. He's, I thought he was really good in the Tooth Fairy. I mean, come on. <laughs> him him, and Julie Andrews. Penny Gang was okay, but he Penny wasn't Gang. the main character. Uh, Gridiron Gang, I thought that was really a motiv motivation. No, no. He's the best part of Scorpion King by far. <laughs> it's better than Mummy too. So overall, Ryland, you don't find The Rock to be anything really special in the acting world? I've just looked at his stuff and I'm like, other than Fast and Furious, which I'm a huge fan of, you know that. There's really not a lot to offer, man. I hate to say that, but he had kind of a good run to start and then he just went, really? The man okay. fought an earthquake, for God's sake. He did. Give him did. some respect. The Hercules movie was flat. The wannabe uh, Die Hard movie was flat. Rampage, get out of here. Gorillas and stuff? Well, no. Nobody nobody was going to save Rampage. Exactly. But these franchises are great, but he doesn't have a lot to really stand on. I didn't know you were such a rock hater. I want to like him, but I just don't. Is that what you think? You think you're just going to crush the rock? It doesn't matter what you think! If you smell what the rock is cooking. Get out of here. Your dad was a professional wrestler. You're 6'5", 300, and you played football at Miami. You got a little bit going for you, man. I don't know, man. Being the son of a professional wrestler is not even a remotely a guarantee of success. Now, he took his opportunity and made it his own and, and just skyrocketed. Legend has it that Rocky Johnson would not train Dwayne. Like, he chose not to. Dwayne had to, like, beg his father to teach him how to wrestle because his father didn't want him to live the same life. 
and he went to Miami. You know, he became a football star, but then he got injured and he felt like there was no other way. He eventually submitted to his request, but not without years of refusal. He, he saw an opportunity and he saw it slip away. So he, he went the only route he knew how to go. Teach me how to wrestle so I can yeah. at least book a couple matches here and there and make a few bucks, you know? Nobody teaches that charisma that he has. Like, you can't teach that. And his dad definitely didn't have that as a wrestler. So I give so much props to his charisma oh. and his mic skills and his talking skills. The Rock was the best on the mic, I hate to say. Name a better guy that hyped people up better than The Rock. From his generation, he's probably the best. And there were some good guys in his generation, but... If you like, smell... I mean, like, that shit resonates. It's the same right. thing as like, oh yeah, like that's exactly yeah. the same thing Macho did. You have to have a fucking catchphrase. The only better one is Ric Flair of all time. Ric Flair is the best one-off. Yeah. Well, I mean, in wrestling, the microphone is kind of secondary to the actual wrestling. Oh, it should be even. It should be even. You have to learn how to wrestle before you can really start doing promos. There's a lot of cats that love wrestling and they love being able to wrestle. And that fulfills them, being able to work matches and stuff like that. But they're just not good on the mic. It's, a it's an entertainment act. show. Like the ones that are good on the mic and good in the ring are the superstars. Not many do that. Well, it just I takes time, you know? Time on the mic, time in the ring. You gotta pay your dues, you know? But I love naturals. Macho's a natural. Hulk's a natural. The Rock's a natural. Stone Cold's a natural on the mic. Then you add your athleticism to it. Fucking A, they're all beasts. <laughs> I, I think a good example is, you look at uh, Undertaker. Undertaker was never yeah. like a super good promo. The worst. But that was perfect. That was the gimmick. You had somebody else talk for you. No, but I love the Paul Barrow aspect. I was going to mention that. Oh, Undertaker. I've been sitting all alone in the darkness of my funeral parlor, thinking about mass burials, all the mass burials down through history. I wish I could have been there. Jim Cornette always says, you accentuate what the guy does well, you, know, you do your best to cover up whatever problems he might have, and then you can go quite a far away if you know how to package the guy and you know how to get the most out of him. I want Charlie's opinion. I was going to let Matt talk. Um, <laughs> Between me and you, Matt, like the charismatic aspect of it is just as important as your athletic ability. Because Goldberg did that. The only reason I caught on to him because he had that stupid undefeated role. That's what got me in like as a casual fan. But as a like pump up guy, he, he, he just went in and just did his thing and just like wrecked people, but there was no drama. And it's all about the drama, dude. Yeah, this is entertaining because it's drama, baby. Okay, so you ready for my opinion on this? Yeah. Um, I guess my only argument would be, think about the live aspect of wrestling, right? If you're at a live show and you watch the entire show and you're, you're driving home, your takeaway on the ride home is not how well that guy made the promo. It's about that fucking bump that guy took. Like, he he did a superplex off the fucking top rope because you were there live and you fucking saw it. I think the physical aspect is much more necessary. And then the mic skills, you can cover that with a manager, like the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, or, you know, Paul Heyman. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. Tonight, the Heavyweight Champion, Barack Lesnar! 
people like that that can coast this guy while he gives you amazing matches. The amount of wrestling fans that have ever seen a live show has got to be close to like 40-50%, right? No. Do you know how many casual fans there are of wrestling versus like hardcore? It's got to be 50-50, man. You also have to factor in the amount of actual wrestlers that even give a fuck about becoming a movie star. There are some cats that will just live and die in the wrestling business. Like, you never get the opportunity to become a movie star unless you're the epitome of a peak of an era. Hulk, Rock, Cena. Think about it. There's three guys in 50 years. It makes sense. Well, I mean, I got to ask Matt. Matt, did you ever think that Dave Bautista was going to be a fucking movie star? No. There are two types of beings in the universe. Those who dance and those who do not. Mm -hmm. You just need to find a woman who is pathetic, like you. But he is. But he's not doing the shit Rock's doing. And Cena finally caught on with uh, Peacemaker. He's finally catching on. And he did the Marine in 2000, what, Charlie, four? Are you telling me that you're not a fan of the Marine? No, I love the Marine. I love it. And I watched that when he came out because I was like, all right, this is the next Rock. And it wasn't terrible. I loved it. This October... Meet a one-man strike force that never surrenders. I tried to kill this guy twice today. He just won't die. But it took Cena another 15 years. Because he was busy wrestling in the fucking wrestling ring. I mean, he's a better wrestler. His character was like, ugh, after a while. I was like, really? You're gonna be that guy? That actual shit right now is kind of dated and not okay. <laughs> His first few years when he went out and he was like, white rapper, weirdo guy wearing jeans. It was not a good look. Like anybody will tell you, any wrestler, any promoter will tell you, hindsight is 2020. When you're in it and you, you gotta make a weekly show, yeah, the white rapper in 2002, that made sense. Matthew, thoughts? I'm dying to hear what you think about the professor of economics. I'm of two minds on it. It is good in the sense that, you know, he legitimately wrote his promos then. He wrote his own raps. And he uh, has, all those terrible raps he wrote. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> he was cashing checks with those terrible raps. He was. Which <laughs> is a lot more than any of us have ever gotten for it. But Fuck yeah. Here's the thing. There's a shelf life of that gimmick. You're not staying around as that for very long, but it got him in the door. If you guys ever saw him before Dr. Thugonomics, dear lord, is he terrible. Super vanilla, yeah. The prototype. And he looked, it's just, oh, it's terrible. At least, like, I remember him because he did that. The prototype is not in movies, so it is cringy at times to watch it now. But then again, in all fairness, I was never a big Cena guy. I've gained a lot more respect for him seeing his, like, come up in movies and becoming a legitimately better actor. Like, if you look at him in The Marine and you look at him in Peacemaker, it's not just, oh, this is better written. Right. It's also, like, his acting game is way better. Like, it's night and day compared to what he was doing when he first started. And you got to respect that at a certain level. I was going to mention that. His acting in Peacemaker, he's finally showing his comedy. I think he's hilarious. I think his uh, presence is awesome. But, you know, I just hope he plays Ernest Goes to WWE <laughs> in, in 2030. Could you imagine making an Ernest Goes to WWE and it's... Fucking John Cena playing you know, Ernest. He, you know, he was going to be Dutch at one point. No. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, that'd be amazing. Be. Okay, so if you had to redo Predator right now, John Cena is Dutch. Who else is in it? Let's just do all wrestlers right now. Off the dome, 
Booker T. <laughs> Come on, bro. That motherfucker in his heyday was jacked. I want to see Booker T like hold a Gatling gun. So you enjoyed Booker T? Fuck yeah, motherfucker was hardcore. He was giant too. Like you're not gonna fuck so with tall. T. Yeah, you gonna talk shit to Booker T? I don't think so. You know he beat Batista's ass. Yeah. Yeah. In real life. In a straight up fight. Like yeah. in real life. Yeah. And yeah. I don't doubt it. And plus, he's the one that that called Hulk Hogan the N word. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you. Dog. I saw that thing on live. <laughs> did you really? Oh my god! So I saw that promo on YouTube, and I was like, "Wait, did they cut? they had to cut that, right?" Well, because it's live, they couldn't. Uh, they, were doing, they weren't doing delays back then. All you think that they much. find him? Do you think he got fined? Oh, Absolutely. I'm almost certain. And you saw his face the yeah, second he was he like, said it. He was like, "Shit." I just did that, yeah. So I well, mean, Charlie, we, you got to throw one in the mix right now. Predator, wrestler, go right now, off the top of your head, go. Oh, Dwayne Johnson, Carl Woo! Weathers, like like John Cena, Dwayne Johnson, fighting the whole time. And then I mean, Booker T's my, like, listen here, he's spitting chaw everywhere, throwing a rando, throwing like, like a like, Jim Hacksaw Duncan with his two by four. He just shows up. You're like, we have machine guns. What do you have a two by four? Will. What about like, the nerdy guy? What about the nerdy him. guy? Shane Black. Oh, Shane McMahon. Come on, baby. MJF. Mm. Just a squirrely little jerk. Marmy, yeah. Who's MJF? He's the biggest heel in wrestling right now. Who is that? Easily. Part of AEW, the promotion. Oh, what's his name, though? What's that mean? Uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Freeman. Uh, what a dumb name. Newsflash, you pencil neck geeks! If I wanted to hear your opinions, I would turn on TLC and watch reruns of my 600-pound life, so shut up! He's like a Triple H of sorts, like a blue blood. You're going to relate him to Triple H, which is a fucking legend of all time? But again, it's all about context. Like Hunter Hearst Healy? Is that what it is? Triple H Helmsley. Um, Ah, I knew it. I knew I'd get it wrong. He was literally just the rich kid gimmick, you know? And he built the Triple H work over time. He really positioned himself. Dude, Triple M versus Triple H? You know who's going to win this. <laughs> better agree off the top, Ralph. All I'm saying, dude, is you better not bitch too much about this movie we're about to talk about. Anyways, before we move on, guys, what do you think wrestling and film has in store for the future? Like you said, The Rock is doing Black Adam. John Cena is the peacemaker. Why are you in your costume? This is a uniform, <laughs> and it's brand new, so I'm going to stretch it out and make it more comfortable before we go on a mission. Word life. This is basic thugonomics. Do you see more wrestlers becoming these superhero type characters? What do you think, Matthew? Over the last 20 years, it's an absolute proven commodity. I don't know if we're going to get more than maybe one more of those guys because it's just so difficult. Everything has to go right for that to happen. Right. But I think what we're going to see, I think we're starting to see already, is we're going to see a lot of these indie guys in like genre movies and they're going to be playing smaller parts. If you didn't know wrestling, you'd still like them. The late Brody Lee, he was in a, a movie called Mohawk. That guy looks really creepy and scary. And it's like, 
Yeah, because that's his, that's his thing. He does that. A lot of these guys, they're diversifying. They want to also have something to go back on to where this industry just destroys people. You're taking bump after bump after bump after bump. Father time's undefeated. You can only throw your head at the bat so many times before yeah, so. Yeah, brain damage. What about you, Rylan? What, what, what do you think the future holds for wrestling and film? I'm going to keep it short and sweet. You only get these guys every 20 years, and that, that shows. The Rock really transitioned himself into a movie star. If you looked at his early roles, it's just generational, man. The look, the athleticism, and the charisma, it translates, but not very often. I think that the mainstream, you're right, it's not going to bring too many Cena's or Rock's to the fold in the next 10 years or so. But I also agree with the B-movie sentiment as well. These guys, if they want to make a few bucks, they can be the heavy in, in some B-movie or be the hero in some B-movie and make a few bucks. Man, I'm, I'm all about wrestlers making money, man. Like, like this, it's, it's a tough business to become rich off of. And so anytime anybody can make some money off their name, I'm all for it. But as far as the future goes, there's one every generation. The, and there is a formula. Hulk Hogan didn't do it properly, but Dwayne did. When Cena's trying to work that path as well. So the more the road gets paved, the easier it's gonna be for more people to walk down that road. Well said, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> But I think we've talked enough wrestling as far as wrestling and film. Let's talk game. You guys ready to play a game about wrestling? Let's fucking roll. <laughs> Let's go. It's all about the game. And how you play it. All about control. And if you can take it. All about your debt. And if you can pay it. It's all about pay. And who's gonna make it? So this week, uh, we decided to bring back the first and favorite for this episode. If you've been a member of The Real Shit, you know the first favorite. The rules, you have to divulge what your first memories of this thing is, and then you also divulge your favorite. In this light, we're asking you to divulge your first memories of professional wrestling. And then on the favorite scale, we want you to divulge who your favorite character or wrestler is. So, O'Reilly. <laughs> I got into wrestling in the late 80s, so it had to be the Hulkster. That was my main guy. But I also thought that Macho Man had the best, like, mic skills. I thought Macho Man with the uh, snap into a Slim Jim shit was great. So, like, my first true wrestler had to be the Hulkster. I meant every word I said, Macho Man. I've never lied to you. I've never lied to Elizabeth. And I've never lied to any of my Hulkamaniacs. When I said I loved you like a brother, Macho Man, I meant it. But they're the best at that. Do they even do those anymore? Cocaine? <laughs> um, uh, no, well, <laughs> cocaine especially. But, like, I grew up watching a bald man named Mean Gene put a mic up to a man, and the man was going insane. He was testosterone-fueled, but also they were hyping you up, and you got excited about it. And that's what I grew up on, so it had to be either Hulkster or, or a Macho Man. That's kind of my early upbringing. Just the aura of wrestling was so prominent, no kid could escape it. You don't have to be a fan. You could just be a casual fan and knew who these men were. You can't right. do that now. You cannot do that now. Okay, so do you have a favorite overall? It's really hard for me because I got back into it in the late 90s. So The Rock versus Stone Cold was where it was at for me. That's what got me excited again. 
and I was watching it. And I'm going to give it to The Rock. He was more charismatic. I love Stone Cold, the, the Texas Rattlesnake. Come on. But at the time, The Rock was way more prominent. People wanted to know what he was doing. The Rock thanks you for that. Here's my only argument, Ryland. And I want to make sure that I'm saying this in the most respectful way possible. Many times on this show, you've remarked about men's physiques. That's kind of part of it is like seeing just this fucking jacked up dude. Like you talked about Mean Gene. Like Mean Gene next to Macho Man, 6'5", 285, like fucking 3% body fat. The tannest skin you've ever seen in your life. On top of it glistening with oil does that play any kind of part like the fact that this dude is just a fucking beast ultimate warrior was (laughs) i mean he was in great shape how is rylan not a wrestling fan i mean where did i not get rick flair from because holy shit as a grown man now rick flair had it going on (laughs) he's still killing it in his like late 70s because he had the perfect gimmick last year i spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! Ric Flair drip. There's rappers rapping about him now. I mean, he's just. He's the stylist. Alligator shoe jet setting. That's the kind of aspect I have for these guys. They were like movie stars to me. Bigger than life. But also, I have to say one last thing. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. I need to hear you guys' favorite tag team of all time. Charlie, what's your favorite tag team? Motor City Machine Guns. Woo! You talk about how people only see us in one light. There were only super athletes. There were only exhibition wrestlers. Man, we're the best, okay? If these belts don't prove it, if our actions don't prove it, then you tell me what doesn't, we'll do that too. We lose these belts, we get them back. We get knocked down, we get back up. That's how it works, and that's why we're the best, and we've been doing it for years. Matthew, your favorite tag team. Oh, that's so tough. I know, there's like six of them. All right, a lot of people would say this, and I know it's the safe answer, but in their time, these guys were like gods. I already know what you're going to say. And that is... The Road Warriors. Yes! Talking animal. What a rush! Legion of Doom. I mean, football pads with spikes on it as a kid blew my mind. They had an aura about them that was just, like, they let these criminals out of the jail, and they're just going to destroy these other guys. As a casual fan, I liked the gimmicks. I liked tag team. I liked the the cage matches. You know, Mankind and these torture matches, these things. So the tag teams really wet my whistle. (laughs) And the Road Warriors is number one on my list. Then it's Dudley Bros. Boys, sorry, Dudley Boys. The British Bulldogs. The Hardy Boys. And then the Heart Foundation. Matthew, I would love to hear some of your first memories of wrestling. Um, Like Ryland, I grew up in the same kind of time. And if you're a kid and you say Hulk Hogan wasn't the first wrestler that you noticed of wrestlers, you're lying. For real. That's just the way it is. I have a couple of really distinct memories. I remember when Hogan lost the title to The Undertaker after The Undertaker premiered. Yeah. And just being like, as a kid, being devastated. One, come on! This 
scary zombie man beat up Hulk Hogan. You can't beat Hulk Hogan. He just shows up and does it. You beat him up and he just stands up like Jason Voorhees. You know, it's just like, I really remember that. Also, you know, I remember a lot of like the Von Erichs because, you know, growing up in, you know, the Metroplex, the Von Erichs were like royalty. Yeah, that's my earliest stuff. It's Hulkamania era. Hogan, the Von Erichs, Macho Man. My dad was a big Macho Man fan. So Macho Man dropping the elbow off that steel cage is just like cemented into my memory. He's one of the first guys to do that. Like, what is he doing? And, you know, favorite... Who's your guy? Who's your guy? Of, of all time. It's like asking you which of your children is the best. I'm so excited to find out. If I had to pick one guy, and they're the total package, and not, not total package Lex Luger, right. but I gotta go with the Macho Man. Hey, Brick Joe, you're going nowhere. I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of play time. The thing that always gets me with Macho Man is what would Macho Man have been if Hulk Hogan wasn't a giant dick and made yep. sure that nobody else got to shine? <laughs> so true. He was way more skilled. Hogan's not even the same stratosphere as Savage. Savage was an no. absolute technical phenom. He also he made his promos up on the spot. He never prepared. He never wrote never. them out ahead of time. He did a giant line of cocaine and went <laughs> into the booth with me and Gene, and just whatever happened, happened. Every okay. single wrestler that talks about him in a documentary is like, man, that was just Randy. That's just who he was. He's the epitome of a wrestler to me. I think Macho Man gets way less credit than he deserves. Absolutely. And, and I'm not entirely sure whether Macho Man was actually had Latino background or not. You know, his, his real name is Papo. <laughs> he would sprinkle Spanish into promos sometimes. You know, I remember him calling Tito Santana the gallina. He's definitely Latin. Yeah. His brother so, was on that documentary. And- oh, oh, leaping Lanny Papo. Fuck Papo. yeah. Uh, the genius Lanny Papo, thank you. <laughs> no, he's leaping Lanny Papo. Come on. If you Lanny ask Papo. anyone to do a wrestler impersonation, they're going to do Macho Man. Perfect looking wrestler, dude. He had it all. He had the, the sunglasses, the, the boots, the colors. He had it all, dude. He was just he was so the manliest unique. man to come out in hot pink mm-hmm. with tassels to a song called Pomp and Circumstance. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am curious, Matt. What was the runner up? Runner up is like a series of indie darlings. Feel Ooh, like I'm indie a darlings. I want to yeah. hear this list. I think. Hiroshi Tanahashi, he's one of the best wrestlers of his generation that nobody knows about because he wrestled in Japan. He's a little bit like a Japanese macho man because he he will do, (laughs) you know, a lot of those same mannerisms. Charlie, you know that guy. Absolutely. He's amazing. See, me being a casual fan, I have no idea who that guy is. Guys like him, AJ Styles, I think people are going to remember him as one of the best of all time. Guys like, like Jericho, who have like reinvented themselves a dozen times over. It's just too many to mention, man. You got Sting, you got Taker. They're so iconic, and there's never going to be another that guy. But hey, that's wrestling, you know? That's, that's just what happens. One more for women's wrestling. My favorite woman wrestler is probably Asuka. Really? She is amazing. She can be a heel or a face, no problem. And she's amazing either way. She's an amazing technician. And the only thing that holds her back is that her name is Asuka. Even though she speaks English, nobody will let her speak English. 
if you ever watch her YouTube channel, she is super charismatic. But she never gets to do anything because, again, you can't have her speaking English because she doesn't speak English proper. Bullshit. She wrestled men in Japan and made it look good. But if I was going to go for my first and favorite, my first, I mean, like you said, if you're saying it's not Hulk, you're fucking lying. Um, <laughs> or you were born in the 2000s. <laughs> correct, correct. Um, Let me guess. You're going to pound my face, break every bone in my body. Then you're going to drag me across the gravel road and feed my remains to a warthog. Is that about right? What are you, nuts? This is the 90s. We're going to sue you. Like you say, Hogan, you think wrestling. But I guess some of my first memories of wrestling were some of the first early Raw episodes, like in the early 90s. Particularly the match between Razor Ramon and the Lightning Kid, who would go on to become X-Pac, you know, later on in the Attitude Era. Beautiful. And it was the match where Lightning Kid got the 1-2-3 on Razor Ramon, which is so rare in wrestling, especially in the early Raw episodes. It was basically a TV show meant to build up their established stars. So if you had Razor Ramon fighting John Smith, easily Razor Ramon's going to win. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. But you get to see all the stuff that Razor Ramon does, the, the Razor's Edge and all those other moves that he does. But on this particular moment, the other guy got the win. And I think Razor's dazed. One, oh. wait a minute. One, two, three. What is this? He got him. He got him. He can't believe he beat Razor Ramon. He beat Razor Ramon. He beat Razor Ramon. And I thought that was just the most incredible part of the show. I couldn't wait for the next week to find out what happened next. That was kind of the match that kicked off everything for me. The little guy get the come up and then he himself becoming a superstar. What I thought was so fucking cool. But my favorite, hands down, has been for the last decade. And that's a man named CM Punk. I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am. And that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. I remember watching WrestleMania 24, where he came out on the Money in the Bank ladder match, and he eventually won that match. That was the first time I ever saw CM Punk, and I was like, this dude right here. This dude has got something. It's hard to describe what it is, but he's got it. And just watching this guy get his opportunities and then eventually turning into the superstar that I knew he could be back in 2011. It was just a rocket ship from there. And he's just been in infamy since then with his pipe bomb. Can you explain his downfall, though? He had a huge fucking downfall. I mean, there's a couple reasons. One, he was a guy that came from, like, backyard wrestling. So he wasn't a guy that knew somebody or that was friends with the Macho Man or whatever. So the locker room itself was kind of standoffish to this guy. He was just a fan that became a wrestler. 
right? And he was so good at it that he got some heat. He's like the guy that wasn't supposed to be, but he is. The question you're asking, the downfall, was that, yeah, he didn't meld with anybody in WWE. All these Uh, personalities that, that he was dealing with on a daily basis were just not the personalities that he dealt with in the Indies or in Ring of Honor or ECW or anything like that. Their plan on the future was just so different and they were always just butting heads. I guess he got word that he wasn't going to be the main event of WrestleMania the year he quit. And in fact, he was going to be wrestling Triple H. That just didn't sit right with him. He quit right after the Royal Rumble and was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. It's not worth it to me. I've made enough money. Thank you for all the money. I'm going to leave now. And so he did. As a wrestler, your ego is everything. For for him to, to sow his roots from the Indies and then build his career to where he became the world champion of WWE. And like nobody, nobody can challenge his credit. Like nobody can say, oh, he was just Coke buddies with Hulk Hogan. That's why he's world champion. No, they can't say that. Like he built his entire empire from the ground up. And I thought that was so impressive. And so whenever he finally reached the top, I was like, fuck yes. Like it's undeniable. They don't want him to be the champion, but he has to be because he's so credible. He did his run, he legitimately quit, and then he was gone for seven years. I remember I watched WWE after he left for like three years, hoping that one day he would walk back in the door, but he never did. And so I I, I kind of stopped watching after 2017. Like, I am a CM Punk mark. You paid 50 bucks to see his return. Fuck yeah, I did. Your dick was rock hard. Yeah, it was like, it was the quickening, dude. Like, for <laughs> real. Have you seen him live? Never uh, saw him live. He was at the uh, the Dynamite I went to in March. That place fucking exploded when they started playing Cult of Personality. <laughs> and that's one thing we haven't talked about either, is like the, the terminology. Like, you talked about marks earlier, Ryland. The marks are the ones that actually go to the live events, will pay for the T-shirts, that enjoy the story on the screen or live in the ring. But when it comes to marks, they have this ability, and it's called marking out. It's basically like whenever you saw Captain America say, Avengers! Assemble. And then crowd was just like, what? I mean, that's marking out. But what's so dope about wrestling fans and marking out is that it doesn't take 23 fully produced movies <laughs> in, order, in, in order to reach that. That true markness? You can you can just hit Hulk Hogan's music. Oh, fuck. And then you mark out. And so, and, and so it's like, so if you get enough marks in a room to mark out at the exact same time, you achieve what they call... A pop. And that's what everybody, the booker, the wrestler, the venue owner, is all looking for. They're looking for that pop. Like that moment in the show where something happens and the whole crowd just goes, yes! Holy fuck. I've seen that. I've seen it on TV where it pops. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for the biggest pop possible. And so... Charlie, what's your biggest pop? Recently? Yeah. It was WrestleMania 38, whenever the Pat McAfee match was happening. 
and Vince McMahon came out and he took off his shirt and he he started nice. like playing with the crowd about you know maybe doing some wrestling in the ring and while he was fucking with the crowd the second you heard that glass break and you heard Stone Cold's music I marked the fuck out dude like I was in my bedroom I was just like yes it was just the culmination of like 20 years of God, these guys. that's amazing that's me marking the fuck out dude what about you, Matt? Do you have a great mark-out moment? Got a few. When you mark out at a live event, that's like the tantric version of marking <laughs> yes. out. At the, at the last one that I went to, the Hardys were there. Now, this was also a show where I saw a lot of people live that I assumed I would never see live. Uh, I saw Sting. I saw Daniel Bryan and John Moxley. When they got that ladder up in the concession area where I had just been minutes before, <laughs> and I see Jeff going up there, and I'm like, me and my friend are there, and we're just going, yes, yes, do it, do it. And when he went off that ladder, and people lost their shit. You could barely hear. <laughs> God, I love those moments in sports. This is sports, right, guys? It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. It could be at the World Series. I was in Arrowhead, Kansas City versus the Patriots. AFC Championship game three years ago. I could not hear myself think. It doesn't matter. I was marking the fuck out. As a football fan, I was like, oh my God, this is the Mecca. And you get those Mecca moments, bro. When you're there, there is nothing better. And, and then imagine having to do that through a TV screen and still achieving the same exact thing. It's it's beautiful. Magical. You don't get a pop with a promo. You get a pop with a suplex. Yeah, you get a Ron. pop with a promo. I suppose. Especially a live a, promo. God damn, they do live promos where they're talking shit before yeah. the match? Yeah, to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, my dick would be rock hard. <laughs> the coolest thing about the live shows, though, is you don't get any of the commentary. Like, yeah, you got these guys yelling at each other like, I saw The Undertaker live. And he's basically just saying, I'm going to kill you, Bill Goldberg. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. He didn't even say much, but it's just like, that was enough. And everybody's just like, yeah, kill him. We're just hearing some guy being like, I think we're done talking. Let's settle this in the ring right now. Perfect just, mark out moment. Oh, absolutely. You know? I appreciate everybody divulging their first and favorite, guys. It wasn't much of a game, but uh, I love talking wrestling. I love talking first and favorite. So thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. You are entirely welcome. And now, let us all go to my house for a little sponge cake and a little wine and, and shit to the lumberyard. But what do you say we actually talk about some movies on this movie podcast? Oh, I, I got to say this because I'm going to feel bad if I don't. Scott Hall. Apparently, uh, Charlie doesn't think too well of Scott Hall. I told you my first memories of wrestling was of Razor Ramon. But Scott Malden said, what do you think of Scott Hall? And you were like, meh. He didn't have the longevity. He was always fucking wasted. You couldn't count on him to wrestle for shit. At least he wasn't like a homophobic racist like the Ultimate Warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Rest in peace, Scott Hall. That's a great way to end this segment. Uh, Let's move on to our movie, guys. We decided, after much deliberation, to finally watch a wrestling movie, and that was the year 2000 David Arquette vehicle, Ready to Rumble. The 
world's greatest wrestling fans. I got your poster up in my room. Which one? It's this one. Are out to prove one thing. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! Do I feel fake? Now they'll hit harder. Bring it on! I'm gone. <laughs> Play dirtier. <laughs> And go further than ever before. Come on in, boys. Hallelujah. Running with the devil. Oh, yeah. You chicks rock. Sing it. We're men, but we're not afraid to say that we love other men. Ready to rumble. So this is actually not the first movie we decided on. We actually wanted to talk about Hulk Hogan's No Holds Barred. I mean, to be honest, I think I need it in my collection now because it's so hard to get. But ultimately, we decided on Ready to Rumble, which I'm so happy about. When I was a teenager, I watched exclusively WCW programming. I'm not sure about what you watched, Matt, if you watched the whole gamut or not. But I was such a huge WCW mark. I watched both, and it was the time when we didn't have DVRs back then. So you had to flip back and forth between Raw and Nitro when commercials happened to see part of one match. And if that match wasn't good, you went back over to the other one. And there were definitely kids, you know, and teenagers in that in that era. They were like, no, one or the other, man, you got to (laughs) decide. But I think deep down inside, damn near every one of those guys was watching both. Yeah, I love that. Um, With this movie... Being a WCW movie and me being such a mark about WCW, there's a lot of, you know, how the wrestling translates to the film narrative that I have issue with. And I want to say this movie is not a bad movie, like as far as the way it's made, the production itself, the sound, everything like that. It's all very high quality. It's just the, the wrestling fan in me just does not like what I'm seeing on the screen, you know? So the movie basically revolves around these two wrestling fans named Gordy and Sean. Gordy's played by the infamous David Arquette, who, by the way, is in the history books, (laughs) the holder of the World Heavyweight Championship for WCW. I don't know if you knew this, Ryland. Wow. As of now? (laughs) No, no. Back around the time the movie was about to premiere. Okay. The wrestling right. company itself decided it was a good idea to make David Arquette the world heavyweight champion. There's no referee, guys. There's a there's a referee. He's over towards Arquette. Two. One, two, three. What? 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 The, did, what? What is? Did David Arquette just? What's going on here? David Arquette won the world title. David Arquette won the world title. He can't believe it. That's something that exists in the world. And if you check the wrestling almanac, his name is in the almanac as a winner of the so, world. So, so between y'all two as the bigger wrestling fans than me, does he deserve that title at all? No, not at all. In fairness to David right? Arquette, two things. One, he gave all of his salary from that stuff to the families of Owen Hart 
No and way. Brian Pillman. No and shit. And then also some to Darren Drozdoff, who had been you know paralyzed really recently at that point. Wow. So stand-up so guy. Did you know that, Charlie? I did not know that. That's something I'm finding out right now. So does your opinion change a little bit? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> he covered Eric Bischoff for the one, two, three. So, I mean. <laughs> and, and two, and this is a 2A and 2B, 2A. They had to convince him to do this. This was not his idea. And he fought them on it. They said, this is the best thing for us. This is going to help us. Please do this for us. And he relented. And B, he is still not the worst WCW champion of all time. Agreed. Agreed. Not Who so is bad. the worst WCW champion of all time? Well, David Arquette's reign lasted about eight days from the time of the Nitro that he won it at to, I think, the Thunder the next week. No, Slamboree. Um, he still had it at Slamboree. No shit. So he had oh, it for, what, yeah. like, what, 21 days, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Like, stupid. Um, who's the worst WCW champion? Jeff Jarrett. Vince Russo. <laughs> Vince Russo ran the show. And, and he made himself champion. He ran that. it into the ground. That's what I'm finding out doing this episode is that like we can't even stay on the same page because there's so many ways you can argue everything. So let's just get into the movie. What do you say? Ryland, did you get any numbers on this film? Absolutely. It cost $25 million to make and made 12.9 all day said and done. Fucking failure, man. Uh-huh. I mean, it made half its money back. But it had so many really good actors in it. Like, <laughs> how did they do this? Because this movie's script is insane and insane. nonsensical. When you tell me $25 million, I go, but where? Where did you spend the $25 million? But I got a serious question I have to ask you, and I need a serious answer. Okay, you swear to God. I swear to God. How many times did you fart in that band? So, Matt, when was the first time you watched this movie? I watched this. This movie comes out April 2000. WCW is dead March 2001. We didn't realize it at the time, but this was it. This was probably their last big multimedia thing. At the time, to me, it felt so desperate. But I ended up watching it on HBO because HBO played it like nine billion times. And it is a very fun movie. It is not a particularly well-made movie, Mm -hmm. poorly scripted movie, and it's a poorly formatted movie. Like, its structure is terrible. Damn allergies. And me too. Damn stupid allergies. Unfair bogus allergies. <laughs> Unfair cheating blind rap. Bogus Sinclair allergies. Damn Diamond Dallas Page. This movie's almost two hours. Why is it nearly two hours? I agree with you that the movie is infamous, but I don't think that the movie is badly made. I think the movie's well made. I think the movie is really well done. The music, the editing, the shots they got. I think they're all really good as far as the filmmaking process. I just think that the notoriety around the film makes it shit. It just buried the fucking film. Because you're right, like WCW in 2000, were you watching WCW programming around the time this movie came out? The last stuff that I remember from WCW, two things. It was the Arquette title thing and finger poke of doom and finger poke of doom that was almost completely it for me like on nitro saw that live as it was airing on tv i was in georgia at the time with some family and i look over to my cousin who was also you know big wrestling mark and we're just like fuck 
This is better than a playoff game. Now this is what pro wrestling, what world championship wrestling is all about. over man <laughs> do you guys call yourselves marks <laughs> yeah yeah it's almost a term of endearment like mark is yeah, well, a derogatory well, term it's well, what the wrestlers well, called fans this is what i did not understand from this film is they knew their fans were going to watch this movie and they made the marks but like the worst of the marks like they're eating like lunch with a boot <laughs> dripping out of the little thing it's literally dumb and dumber. Like, it's so bad. Like, were you guys not waiting for like the thing to explode on them in that scene? Well, absolutely. They literally thought of y'all as this. What you have to understand is that that's how mainstream media views wrestling fans on the whole. The biggest, one of the biggest problems with this movie is like, these are your wrestling fans. These two guys are morons. Oh, bad. How could you drink that? I struggled through most of it, but the butt fruit just kind of settled at the bottom. It's bad. It's not great. But at the same time, it also is like, wrestling is real. Wrestling is fake. Wrestling is real. Wrestling yeah. is fake. And this was a big thing back then. Charlie, you probably remember this as well. Is like, by the time we get to 2000, that's when the veil has been lifted and yeah. people know it's a work. Partly because they kind of had to tell people they had to say it was a work so they didn't get in trouble with the government. But WWE was doing the same shit at the exact same time. So it was like a double pronged situation. Like NWO really pulled the veil back. They showed the back end stuff. They showed yeah. people yeah. working the trucks. DA coming with the, the invasion, trying to trying to invade the other show. I mean, kayfabe was already dead. We're just kind of processing the death around this time. A lot of that comes into play when you think about this movie. Y'all know it's just a show, right? Best show in the world. It's like dancing. You know? It's a, it's a circus show with dancing. Right. Dancing clowns. You're smartened up to the business, but you also have to show that these people are macho. So how do you do that? The problem that they had, I thought that they dealt with it very well in this movie, as far as the wrestling fan versus the smart, if you will. The more familiar you become with it, the more contemptuous you become with it. And now you have a group of people, granted a minority, that are very vocal and they're very contemptuous based on information that they think is knowledge. That they really truly don't have any understanding or reasoning of why we do what we do, when we do it, or how we do it. But now assume they do because of information they have and become contemptuous of it. But they'll still watch it. There's still a mythos behind these characters, but they show you kind of how you can become a champion to nothing in no time. Especially with the Jimmy King character, who's played by Oliver Platt, one of my top three <laughs> favorite character actors he, of all why, time why is he so good in this he doesn't have to be that good he, in this movie he's really good at being just pathetic can we come in mr king for five minutes five minutes is all we ask of the king please how much money you got this it's too real oh, god damn it charlie he, did you know who his stunt double was uh, Chris Canyon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly I wonder like how that. much of Chris Canyon is in this movie and how much is Oliver Platt. <laughs> but why was he chosen for the lead role? Exactly. That. That's my main concern. 
I get most of the character development of this film, but him, I'm like, well, you got to remember, he's kind of a pastiche of, you know, older territory guys. Obviously, of course, the main one is is Jerry Lawler. He's like Jerry Lawler and Ric Flair kind of. Yeah, 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 together. And like, you got to remember in the 80s. Yeah, you had a bunch of jacked behemoths, but you also had like Jerry Lawler and, you know, Junkyard Dog. And these guys looked like your uncle. So it's Gordy and Sean. They're these two wrestling fans. They just love the WCW brand. So much so, Sean's telling the neighborhood kids about how great this guy Jimmy King is. Jimmy King is the greatest wrestler of all time. He's undefeated, and he holds the record for the longest winning streak in the history of professional wrestling. I love the intro. That was my favorite. The first 20 minutes of this movie is gold. Did you ever think you would see Macho Man tagging with Frank Zappa's kid? Oh, uh, Zappa. Listen, sunshine, I'm going to open up a fresh can of whoop-ass on you, boy. Yeah! Bring it on! He had a brain freeze and he just whops him to this fucking random world. It was funny. It was great. Well, what's funny is that all you have to say is that after the fact, if they, they start shitting on the movie, be like, well, David Arquette was playing an autistic character. Yeah. And and then everybody's like, oh, shit. Makes sense. Now. I should rewatch this movie. And then I'll win an Oscar. Then you will praise me. Or they're going to be even more pissed. He already did that movie. It's called Peanut Butter Falcon. Ah, you're right. You're so, so good. Right. So good. But friends are the family you choose. Wrestlers got alter egos. You need a name. Peter Butter that. They live in this little small town in Wyoming, and they got tickets to the next uh, Nitro coming up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Which, by the way, I thought Wyoming was a weird location for these guys to live Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Very particular, didn't you think? Like, <laughs> very. Why? Why Wyoming? I don't know if WCW even ever went to Wyoming. It's got to be some analytics there, you know. They tell everybody about it. There's certain people that love it, certain people that hate it. But they also work as people that clean out porta potties. That's their job. They clean porta potties for a living, and they do it together as a duo. Part of the movie, you kind of get to see their daily grind. One of my favorite scenes of all time in any movie, really, is when they're eating those burgers. Oh my god! Why <laughs> that shit stripping down the fucking the tank? What would King do? Man, that rocks. I made two. That rocks hard, man. It's like two inches from him. It's so uncomfortable. It's got awful. My note was eating while shit drips. <laughs> it's like eating burgers near raw sewage. Yeah, seems legit. It almost feels like a metaphor. For the movie, like you're eating this really tasty burger yeah. next to yeah. dripping shit. But they're also young guys that live in Wyoming, the small town. The local hot girl works at the drive-thru that they're always going to. But there's also that famous Hollywood trope of the hot yet nerdy girl that also works at the restaurant. I love the trope in this movie where they act on that. Brittany, and then you have Wendy. Brittany's like the one that everybody wants, you know? And then Wendy's like the nerdy girl that's totally into this guy, but he's just not taking the bait. 
I would totally go with Wendy. Like Wendy's like the bomb. Like, yeah, absolutely. Shorty a little patty. She my little bull thing. And Shorty got the fatty. Shorty be catching more swings. Wendy's the one. At that age, like that's fucking you found a unicorn. Yes. <laughs> they rolled up in a shit truck, guys. Are we going to talk about the wedding singer granny cameo? Old lady's cursing is funny. Yeah, you're right. It was like the movie statistics show that this is funny right now. We should put this in our movie. And so they did. And it just did not hit. It feels so forced. But like, you know, I'm glad she got a paycheck. Good for her. Oh, like it's unreal. <laughs> so I'm many 90s thing. tropes in this? The Terminator <laughs> who hacks into the Internet? <laughs> from his iMac. The iMac was so such a throwback. Can we talk from about American Gordy's Pie? Am I dad, right with the American Pie with the Terminator? You mentioned Gordy's dad. Go ahead. Jesus Christ. Like, he's a complete psychopath. Approach the vehicle's son. Hi, Dad. No backtalk. No excuses. Just get in the car. How is this guy a cop? Like, <laughs> the first time you see him, he is sexually assaulting someone. Pulls a gun, cocks the hammer on this Magnum revolver. Dear, like, no, Jesus he's, Christ, you he's don't do fuck. that. I don't know if you guys know anything about revolvers. Do you know how hard it is to lower the hammer on a live round and not have the yeah, thing go off? Super dangerous. He ends up shooting the fridge later. You're shooting through your wall. This guy's a complete madman. <laughs> like, it's so far beyond movie dad that it's like... This guy's a menace to society. Is no one else seen this guy's like a psycho? He has such a hard on for like his son or his family joining the police force. He could have been into plumbing. Fuck plumbing. You're doing police work. After all the character building with Sean and Gordy, we finally make it to our live event, the Monday Nitro in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where Jimmy King is facing Diamond Dallas Page for the strap, which is rare. If you're a wrestling fan, you understand that if there's a title match on TV, usually the guy who's already champion is going to win. Or they are super desperate. Yeah. Um, don't say they always win because they don't always win, Charlie. You don't make a, a huge title change unless there's a pay-per-view. See, I did not know that. Thank you, Charlie, that's, for that information. That's, that's Wrestling 101. Never exactly. forget, Hogan dropped the belt to Goldberg. In the Georgia Dome, yeah. Yeah, on free TV. That's wrestling yeah. history right there, yeah. Rarely do they not drop bombs. When you don't fucking pay to see it. Sometimes, you know, and that's why David Arquette was screaming, this is just a nitro. You jinxed him. No. No, God, no. Get off of me. This isn't even a pay-per-view. Because it wasn't supposed to happen like that. It was, if this was going to happen, it should be on a pay-per-view. It should be on a bigger stage, which what we're talking about is a lot of stuff happens in this time where we we're introduced to a lot of new characters one of which is uh the owner i guess of wcw in this movie who's played by joe pantaleano Pantaleano, i love him and his name is titus sinclair for christ's sake titus you're hogging my spotlight your spotlight i invented you you idiot this is mine you seem to have forgotten that dude and he he plays and he plays just this like Vince McMahon type He's, character. He was literally supposed to be Eric Bischoff. I was gonna say Eric Eric Bischoff was supposed to play this role, and he got fired from WCW right before it kicked off. Considering the film was also his idea. 
Absolutely. Thing. I didn't Everything know that. Everything about it was his idea. And he literally gets fired before filming starts. <laughs> it's like, I love wrestling. That's, wrestling that's is squirrely. so WCW in 2000. I man. love it. So Titus Sinclair is really painting himself as just this one that's like willing to change the fabric of the wrestling story to fit his own narrative. And that's exactly what he does. He tells Diamond Dallas Page that it's his night to win the belt. So Page goes out and he acts just like a henchman to Sinclair to where he is literally just beating the shit out of Jimmy King to be able to win this championship. What That's what gets Gordy and Sean so worked up is that he loses the championship on a Nitro that they're live at. The bottom drops out. Everybody's super sad driving home from the, the Nitro. And I love this scene. Where they're crying. Both of them are crying. You know, stupid allergies. The poop stupid truck stupid. crashes and all the toilet paper pops out of it. Oh, what are the odds of that? These are some of my arguments for why the movie is good. Is because those are funny bits. Yes. The shit truck falling on its side. And then and then the 18-wheeler full of toilet paper coming in next, you know? I thought that was pretty fucking clever, if you ask me. It just happened to be in a movie that wasn't very well-received, you know? It sucks. My note here is, grown men cry because of wrestling outcome. I'd like to tell you that that doesn't happen. I would like to tell you that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's some real shit right there. There have been times where I've been driving home from somebody's house. Still mad about the wrestling ending. <laughs> fucking guy doesn't deserve the fucking belt, you know? So they wreck the truck. They're relegated, you know, to just walking. And they have this epiphany. You know what? Jimmy King got fucked over. We're in a position to be able to help him out. This is an omen. The truck crashing here is an omen. We need to go back and we need to help Jimmy King get his pride back. They make this promise, you know, and so they start hitchhiking and they get picked up by this van full of nuns, which is one of my favorite scenes. They're in the van full of nuns and the nuns are singing all kinds of songs, you know, you know, hallelujah, kumbaya, all these kind of things. I thought it was a great bit. The bit is great, but it's already in a cheese fest of movies. These two are covered in sewage. <laughs> so these nuns pick these guys up and they are just covered in sewage. And I love David Arquette with the running with the devil. Like David Arquette, like he's so energetic. Uh, he has he's, the worst yeah, I, screamer voice of all time. I think that's the point, though. I think that's but the gimmick. He does. It's like when he's really trying to make a point. His screamer voice is really bad. Yeah, he's like, wrestling is real. Like when he, when he screams, you're just like, can you not yeah. do that ever again? So they decide to find this guy, Jimmy King, based on the stuff that's been written about him, like his biographies and whatnot. And they find his ex-wife, you know, somewhere in Georgia. Which, you know, again, it's more of that what the mainstream media thinks a wrestling fan is. You know, it's this backwoods trailer trash fan. I always take issue with, Ugh. you know, but it's but something you can't avoid. I mean, it's it's obviously a fact. I think this is where Ryland's coming from is like, you are the wrestling promotion making this movie. You don't yeah. have to make these people like this. You know, I watched a lot of wrestling in a trailer, but I was never a trailer trash. 
Right. I watched a couple of YouTube reviews of this, and they're like, why are they shitting on their fans so hard? Why are the two goobers of the mix this dumb? It's not a good jab at you guys. No, not at all. You make the, the wife and the son, and the son has, like, really bad dental work, which I thought was kind of funny. So they finally find the king in a trailer park where he's dressed up as a woman trying to evade any kind of confrontation with, you know, debt collector. Who's there? Who's there? It's us. And so they come upon him dressed as a woman, and they're really deflated. They're just like, oh, shit, that's Jimmy King. That's fucked up. But they forge ahead. They try to make a connection with him, and they finally do. We need you, King. Your fans need you. We need you to rise above this and take Sinclair down. I have to say, I wouldn't mind taking a nice swing at that little turd bump. But once they do, the mystique of Jimmy King really gets washed over them. Where they're like, holy shit, this is the guy that I've been idolizing for the last year plus. They're coming to this realization, but at the same time, they're still huge fans. And they still want to see Jimmy King succeed. And so they offer him this deal. We'll drive you to New York and we'll help you get redemption. And we'll help you get a good sucker punch on Sinclair and Paige and all them that fucked you over. After a night of drinking, he decides that's a good idea. And so they drive to New York, which I always thought was funny. that They went to the New York arena. Such a wrestling fan. Easter egg. Uh, WCW back in those days, they never would have booked a show in New York. Like, that's WWE territory. Like, it would have been a conflict of interest. Yeah, that's like some Crips and Bloods situation. Somebody would have gotten shot. And so they couldn't put in the movie Madison Square Garden. They just put New York <laughs> Arena. That By this time in the movie, you've heard that lit song, My Own Worst Dreaming, oh. like twice already. It is a time capsule of not very good things. And so then we get to the confrontation where Jimmy King is planning on trying to get his pride back. He hides in a porta potty and they wait till a promo is happening right out front of this porta potty. And then Jimmy King bursts out. He sucker punches Paige and Sinclair and he looks like a hero on the screen in front of everybody. And he's able to finagle a title match. Plus a million dollars. Sinclair offered on his own volition a million dollars at the next pay-per-view. All you have to do is survive. Yeah. You survive and you get this belt. Yeah. Plus one million dollars. But if he loses, you forfeit your crown and never be able to wrestle again. It's a deal! Then the rest of the movie is basically Jimmy King and the guys trying to get him ready for this match. This movie does not know what it wants to be in regards to wrestling because so Jimmy King is fired. Him going and beating up Dick Page and pinning him doesn't do anything. Sinclair hates him. All he has to do is go leave. But it's like, is it real? Is it not real? But the movie it doesn't want to commit to either one of them because, okay, Diamond Dallas Page beats him up. He shoots on him, as we say. You know, the work becomes a real fight. It's called a shoot, right? But he's still doing, like, tag team moves to him. Like, you can't do that if the other guy isn't helping you. Is it real or not? Then Sinclair is just like, I'm going to give you a title shot and a million dollars. But why? I enjoy this movie a lot. And as a wrestling fan, you got to have a real big suspension of disbelief most of the time. This is a bridge too far for me. And so the match is set, guys. We got King versus Page in a month at the next pay-per-view, which is 
I forget what the name of the of the pay per view is called. It's but like it's, a it's, Royal Bash cage match. And so while they're in New York, they decide to reach out to somebody who can help train the king. They find this guy Saul Mandini, and I gotta say, in a movie about wrestling. For the brightest moment of the movie to be a 70-year-old Jewish guy is pretty rare. Find this guy, Saul Mandini, who's played by Martin Landau. Landau, Oscar winner, fucking Martin Landau. It's the best of the movie. Saul Mandini. Want to wrestle? (laughs) Fresh off of his Oscar win. Um, <laughs> Bullshit. 97, actually. Was it 97? Yeah, 97. God no. damn. And some of the best scenes happen around this time. Like the training stuff with Saul and Jimmy. And then whenever Saturn and Vicious come into the apartment and try to try to rough him up. Some of the best stuff. You know, kick me was right. See, and if I was okay as wrong. Less than one. Possum ain't dead till it's scraped off the road. <laughs> It's treachery. It's treachery. Here's a really cool thing about that, though. I really like that character. And like you guys said, he is the absolute bright spot, best thing in this movie right. by a mile. He is a really good example of the old school guys in the carny days of wrestling. They were guys like this. Yeah. And you better believe he would kill all three of us and not break a sweat. Legitimately <laughs> kill us with his bare hands. These guys were experts at joint manipulation and submission holds. It's a really cool thing to show like this, this connection back to the old school days of wrestling and it's, it's infancy. It's so much better than anything else in this movie that it makes me kind of like, man, I kind of just want to see a movie about this guy. I know. (laughs) I thought the same. But besides the Saul Mandini subplot, there's also the subplot where Gordy is kind of dating one of the Nitro girls. Who's played by Rose McGowan, of all people, fucking smoking hot. And so after his training, which is very reluctant, and after the beating of Saul Mandini, which also follows a great scene by Martin Landau in the hospital bed. I implore you, if you're going to watch anything in this movie, watch the scene where he's in the hospital bed. Such a great commentary on wrestling. It's really good Martin Landau stuff right there. say Landau just... At his peak. After his story is kind of told, the rest of the movie is them trying to go back to their roots. They leave New York and they go back to Wyoming. And it's a whole montage of learning how to wrestle again and building up his posse and finding all these locals that are willing to help and uh, finding closure in Sean's love story with the drive through chick. But then they have to make their way back to the live show, the pay-per-view, the Royal Bash where it's Paige versus King for a million dollars plus the strap. And it's at this pay-per-view that it requires a steel cage, but not just a steel cage, a three-level steel cage. At the very top of it is the belt. Okay, baby, triple cage. You watch my back. Keep that posse on standby. I remember this movie coming out and me still being a WCW fan and them showing that that cage match was going to happen at the Slamboree 2000. I begged my parents to buy that pay-per-view, and they did, and I watched it, and it was awesome. Anyways. I want to keep the downer stuff to a minimum, but I had to talk about this because it really, really pissed me off. Into that match, right? Jeff Jarrett is champion. Mike Awesome (laughs) comes up on top of the cage, throws Canyon off, and they're like, Canyon's paralyzed. 
They act like this is legitimate. He is really fallen and he is really injured. And they're doing it in fucking Kemper Arena, where barely a year or so before Owen Hart dies. I fucking lost my shit when I saw that. It's one of the grossest wrestling things I've seen ever. So distasteful. And I know that wrestling is bad taste a lot of times, but dear God, Owen Hart was one of the biggest tragedies in wrestling ever. Yeah. And you have the balls, WCW, when you are in your death throes to make a gimmick out of a wrestler falling off. It's just... Jesus. But back to this match. Sorry, uh, I had to get that off my chest. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, we are ready to rumble! So the match starts. It's automatically a schmoz, which is schmoz means that a whole bunch of wrestlers come out and like they fuck up the match it's the definition of a schmoz in the wrestling world and so it's a whole mess of people coming into this match where it's really hard to follow but but you also know that it's page versus king all the people coming in page and king are still making their way up to get to the top level you know and there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens david arquette has a whole arc where he quits, you know, the pursuit of wrestling, but then he comes back as the cop, the manager, played by Sean. They try and bribe Sting to make sure that, you know, the king doesn't win. There's all kinds of different storylines going on. But there's also tons of just wrestlers in the ring, and I wanted to make note of them. You got Juventud Guerrera, who is just unmasked. Rey Mysterio, who was just unmasked, by the way, as well. If you wanted to see Rey Mysterio with no mask on, watch Ready to Rumble. Like, you got Conan, you got Kurt Hennig. I'm so glad Kurt Hennig got paid for this one. Sid Vicious, which I hate Sid Vicious, but... Um, Everyone hates Sid Vicious. He's the worst. He's the fucking worst. He's, he's not that much better in real life. Yeah, <laughs> that's why everyone hates him. He's kind of a dick. He doesn't deserve his spot. By God, I will always feel sympathy for that man because he, he broke, broke his leg on live TV. <laughs> in the most horrific way yeah, like I think anyone has ever broken their leg. And so in keeping with this movie's narrative, they're battling all the way to the to the bitter end. At the very end, Sting comes through. He flies through on the rafters, kicks Diamond Dallas Page off the top of the cage. Jimmy King prevails. He gets the belt. He gets his redemption. He gets his million dollars. He murders wow. DDP. <laughs> <laughs> he saw through movie. all the things. It's a triple-decker cage. He went through all three cages. All three cages. The, the fall at the end. It's like the fall in, like, if you ever seen um, Vertical Limit? <laughs> the dad dies in the opening scene, and, like, you see him no, fall, and it's like, oh, yeah. well, they're not going to show him hitting the ground. And then it's just, doosh. Yeah. And so then it cuts back to that old gas station from the very beginning of the movie. Where he's telling stories again, Sean is. And these kids are like, yeah, right. That didn't really happen. And then next thing you see is the Zappa kid getting thrown through the door. (laughs) And one of my favorite lines of all time. Can you say it now? I'm your bitch and you're my daddy. (laughs) And then this fucking Hummer limo pulls up with one of the Nitro girls driving. And then all these guys just kind of pile into this Hummer limo, which, by the way, Martin Landau is in the back of. And they all drive off 
everybody's happy. They drive off into the sunset and then roll credits. <laughs> That's the end of the film. It was such a hodgepodge, man. I'm surprised they even got this movie off the ground, much less released in theaters. Like, it is such a huge failure in the sense of, like, putting wrestling over. And when I say over, I mean, like, making sure it's a success, you know. It's a well-made movie. It's the, the editing's good. The shots are good. The actors involved are good. Just for some reason, they just could not make a good product, in my opinion. But it is review time, guys. I'm already on a roll. I guess I'll go first. Like you said, it's almost two hours. It feels exactly like two hours of just WCW fandom and Easter eggs and just unnecessary wrestling moments that shouldn't never have been on film, but they are. But at the same time, the comedy bits that are there are genuinely funny. David Arquette is just incredibly magnetic. It's just, it's a black mark on the whole WCW brand. It just sucks that you're able to look back at it anytime you want to because it is a movie. But ultimately, if I were to give this movie a rating, I would give this movie a 5.3 out of 10. It's barely halfway there. I give a lot of credit to the camera work and the sound editing, the cinematography. There was an inordinate amount of crane shots in the film, if if I'm being honest. (laughs) The opening shot, crane shot. It was astounding, but it just sucks that it was just part of such a bad production. But I'm curious, Matt, as our guest here tonight, how would you rate this film? I think in a lot of ways it was not as bad as I remembered it being. And then in some ways there were a few things that were actually maybe a little bit worse than I remembered them being. Especially the bit with the leaking sewage thing. That was just, that was so bad. I don't know why that affected me so much. (laughs) But like it feels like it needs to show the stereotypes. But then it doesn't do a ton to really like upend those stereotypes either. You know, this is what people think we are, but this is what we really are. Because it's not really doing that either. At the end of the day... I think it's a time capsule of a bygone era, and I think that makes it more fun than when I saw it originally. It's a terrible idea. It was a waste of resources. And even though it turned out better than it had any right to be, it's still emblematic of why that company was falling apart and why it wouldn't be around much longer after the movie. So if I had to give this a rating, honestly, I think this is this is like a four. More bad than good. Technical aspects are there to mask a very bad script and a poorly paced movie. It's hitting so many knobs for nostalgia, but <laughs> it is all in service of kind of a mess. What about you, Ryland? What would you uh, give Ready to Rumble? It's a- it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Joe Pantoliano being in this film is a plus. Martin Landau. Right. Um, it's bad. It's so bad that it's awful. I watched this in theaters in 2000. I was still in the wrestling game. Now that I look back at it, I'm going, why? I hate it. I hate that I love it, though. I have enough love for it, but it's getting a 4 out of 10. I'm glad I wasn't the harshest on it, thank God, because I was really worried. But, you know, you got Goldberg, Booker T, Sting. As a wrestling fan in the 90s, it was great, but it's it's just not fun to watch anymore. It's so dated. It's so awful. But I love it. Speaking of data, did you see the uh, Eminem shirt that uh, David Arquette was wearing? That? <laughs> yeah. 
during the I trailer just, park I, party. I, what made me mad the most is that I did not catch John Cena's cameo. Oh, yeah, in the gym? <laughs> I watched it minute to minute, and I could not catch John Cena. And I went back and watched it. I went, there he is, motherfucker. <laughs> you knew it. And 22 years later, I'm like, I never want to watch this movie again. It was a good idea that was executed badly, and now this is what we have. And it just sucks that that's part of WCW's legacy. It's too bad. But that's ready to rumble, guys. As bad as this movie was, I really enjoyed being able to talk wrestling. It's always fun to be able to just be a wrestling fan and just talk wrestling, no matter what the reason. That's just the way it went down, man. I had so much fun. Matt, thank you so much for joining us this week. I appreciate you taking the time. Man, thanks for having me again. And like you said, it's always good to talk shop about wrestling. You know, not everybody is going to want to talk wrestling with you these days. So any opportunity you get, got to take it. I agree. I agree. That's a great way to end the show. And so for Matthew Smith and Rylan Johnson, my name is Charlie Thompson, and we have been spitting the real shit. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out, guys. See ya. It is almost four hours we've been talking. I think it is. Oh, man, you set it off. Set it off. Used to be hard off. Now you done turns off. Doing telephone commercials. I seen ya. Dancing in tight as a ballerina. I knew all along you had those tendencies. You've been running from macho like I got a disease Dude, please, your pay-per-view event was a joke You're avoiding Randy Savage cause you know you can smoke Come on, that phony fight, the rock straight too fast But when they challenge me to a real fight, he passed I called him out, but the punk was scared to go It was a charity event, but the Hulk didn't show Hollywood Hulkster, you're at the end of your rope And I'ma kick you in the butt and wash your mouth, I would show Cause, like Rodney Dangerfield, you get some respect So come on, Hulk, let's wreck so I can put you in check Be a man, Hulk! Come on, don't be scared. You're running from macho, that's what I heard. Be a man, Hulk. Come on, don't be a chump. I never thought Hulk would go wild like a punk. Be a man, Hulk. Come on, don't be scared. You're running from macho, that's what I heard. Be a man, Hulk. Boy, use a chump. Cause Hulk Hogan is a real big punk. They call you Hollywood? <laughs> don't make me laugh. Cause your movies and your acting skills are both trash. Your movie straight the video, the box office can't stand. While I got myself a feature rolling.